Hello and welcome to another episode of Inspired Women Gathering Show. This is a show that talks about all things from life, relationships, spirituality, business, and everything in between. Women are so inspiring, living their stories, finding resilience and resourcefulness and the tenacity and the powerful impact that we make in the world. I love connecting and having deep conversations, sharing with you the women I am so inspired by and so blessed to know. My name is Dixie Bennett. I'm your host. I'm a soulful women and wealth coach and healer, helping heart-centered entrepreneurial women heal their self-worth, embody their soul purpose, and create sustainable business with heart. And I created this program to highlight amazing women who I come across and connect with. And I hope you enjoy them as much as I do. And I'm so excited to introduce to you my beautiful guest, Kelly Ferlato. And our topic today is still beautiful. Kelly is a burn survivor since the age of two years old on 75% of her body. She found a way to go from near death to success, from the ugly scar-faced girl to the TEDx stage twice in one year. Fierce Woman of the Year, an international best-selling author five times, recipient of the Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal and YWCA Women of Distinction. And most recently, a documentary about her life called Still Beautiful launched on national TV in 2018. Plus, Gold Coast launched a video that has almost 10 million views. So welcome, Kelly. I'm so delighted to have you here today. Thank you for being with us. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. So I, I'm always honored when people ask me to be on their show. So yeah. thank you. Well, you have such an incredible story, and I've gotten to know you over the years. Um, on a personal level and you know I just enjoy your spunk your tenacity and you know you just never ending energy of go 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 like I'm always inspired by what you're doing and creating and where you're at so um, <laughs> I'd love just to start like where just tell us where you were how you got to be where you are now like you have so many amazing things on the go but your and your story is so inspiring especially through the documentary if if anyone gets a chance to watch it, I highly recommend it. Um, but yeah, I would love for you to share uh, just, you know, the evolution of you and how you came to be where you are today. Oh my God. You know, it's so crazy because I was actually just doing a session, like a two hour workshop with some, some teenagers, you know, entrepreneurs. And um, I was telling them how, you know, when I got my divorce 10 years ago or decided to be a speaker, I never thought I'd ever be where I am now. Right. So, you know, a lot of times you just can't predict where your life is going to go. But let's back it up because even though I have all those, you know, accolades and all those things that I've done, it's actually not where my life started, right? My life didn't start there. My life started as a two-year-old when I got burnt. And so we lived on a farm and my cousins were throwing singles in a fire and a spark came out and landed on my dress. And so I'm burnt to 75% of my body. So it's covered in scars. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up being the ugly girl though, right? I walked past my teacher's desk and I saw a picture someone had drawn of me. And it was a circle with scribbles all over it and it said Scarface. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't meant to see it. My teacher had seen it. My teacher had dealt with it, but I wasn't supposed to see it. Uh, but I just happened to walk past her desk and I saw it. Right. And so that was confirmation to me that that's what the kids thought of me, was mm -hmm. that I was the ugly Scarface girl. Right. And so, um, you know, growing up, of course, I was teased, I was bullied, I had operations and surgeries every two years until I was 20 years old. You know, it was all about trying to make my body more functional. For me, it was all about, can I be more beautiful? Mm -hmm. right? Can they take my scars away? 
right? That was my thing is I just wanted to blend in. I didn't want people to notice my scars. I didn't want them to think I was ugly. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be that beautiful little princess, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't get that, you know, daddy's little princess nickname at all. Mm -hmm. uh, I got the queen and um, the, the queen is the power, right? So for me, I was always fighting with my stepdad and okay. he was an alcoholic who and a workaholic who was um, losing his life and as a teenager I was you know getting stronger and stronger mm -hmm. and so he was always call me the queen mm -hmm. not the princess right the princess is the beautiful little girl that mm -hmm. gets to wear the dress and you know grow up marrying the king or the prince uh, the queen is the one who's the power who's destroying people mm -hmm. right like that's how my stepdad saw me so that's the deep you know, rude thing about, you know, the nickname of the queen. Yeah. Um, I hated it, but yeah. you know, what could you do? So I, I never really believed that I would ever get married. I never thought I'd ever have kids. Yeah. You know how like some girls, they just know when they're little, they just know, oh, I'm going to have two little girls or a boy and a girl, or I'm going to have four kids. I'm going to get married. And, yeah. you know, I never had any of those dreams. Yeah. I just didn't believe it was a possibility for me. Right. So when I was 19, I did end up meeting the man that became my husband. Right. We did have three kids. Uh, we had a daughter first. Mm -hmm. And I was so fascinated by having a daughter mm -hmm. because I was hoping then I would know what I would look like without scars. Mm -hmm. And that was my big dream for having a, a girl first. Uh, then I got pregnant a second time. And this time I lost the baby. Right. And so she was a, a little girl also. And I lost mm -hmm. her at about eight months. Oh. And I was devastated. It was probably the worst thing that ever happened in my life. And I felt it was all my fault. Mm. And the other thing was my husband didn't want to get another baby. Yeah. And so I had a lot of guilt with that because I remember when I was five months pregnant and I said, um, it's okay if you don't make it because mm. he doesn't want you. Mm. And sure enough, she did pass away. And so, of course, I carried that guilt and shame with me. Uh, but once I found out what happened to her and why she died, and basically what happened was her umbilical cord grew shut instead of open. Oh, wow. And so then I stopped blaming myself and I realized that there was a deeper gift in her death. Mm. And that gift came when I got pregnant with the twins. Right. And at that point, then I realized, oh my gosh, this is so amazing right. because if we would have had her, we would have stopped and we would have just oh. had two girls. Mm. But instead, you know, in heaven, there's a little baby girl you know, and she's with my cousins and my my grand my parents and my grandparents and they have a baby up in heaven and I have twin boys here in in, in earth mm -hmm. and so I see the the, the gift in her yeah. um, <clears throat> but then uh, a few la years later I decided that I wasn't in love with my husband anymore mm -hmm. and I decided that um, my marriage was toxic I was being disrespectful. He was being disrespectful. We weren't, um, we just weren't being, you know, good partners for each other. Mm -hmm. And I always believe too that, you know, of course, if you have the kids, you have to be together. Mm -hmm. And so anyways, he got um, laid off from his job mm -hmm. and he told me it's time for you to step up to the plate. Right. And I said, okay, fine. Watch me. And I went and I got a job. In two days, I was working downtown. Right. And then what happened, uh, probably about a year after that, is that I met Tremaine Hammond. 
at a woman's event. Mm -hmm. And Tremaine said to me, Kel, you need to sell that business you have and become a speaker. And I said, why? I'm just a burn survivor. So what? She said, no, people will be so inspired by your story. You need to be a speaker. And I was like, I don't see it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see it. And then what happened is I went home that night and I said to my husband, I said, I'm going to be a speaker. And he said, well, how are you going to do that? Right. And I said, I don't know, but it's going to happen. And he goes, okay, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. And so that evening he proceeded to tell me all these reasons why I couldn't be a speaker. I wasn't rich. I wasn't successful. Mm -hmm. I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't doing things right. I didn't have this mega personality like Tony Robbins or Lisa Nichols. Mm -hmm. I was a nobody, right? I was in a toxic marriage. I was in a dead end job. We were almost bankrupt. There was all these reasons why not Mm -hmm. to be a speaker. Mm -hmm. And he said, I just don't get it. I said, I don't, he said, I don't understand how you think you're going to make money. He said, speaker, don't make any money. And you've picked a hard career choice. I don't get it. And I said, I don't know, but it's going to happen. And sure enough, so I started to be a speaker. Mm -hmm. I had a full-time job. I had my scrapbooking business and the business. I was now going to be a speaker. And so then what happened is that um, after about a year or so, things were going well in the speaking business. I had my first book written and... um, Oh, yeah, I had my first book written. I was already getting a few speaking gigs here and there. I still had my full-time job. I still had my business. But then came the turning point where I decided that I was not in love with my husband anymore. And he saw the world as full of doom and gloom. Mm -hmm. And I saw the world as full of possibilities. Mm -hmm. I saw the world that if I got out and shared my message and, you know, and um, get people to love who they are, no matter what they look like, that um, I could make a living as a speaker. I thought, what, what have I got to lose? Right. right? Whereas he didn't see it that way. Mm. So anyways, um, we had a big argument about it. And then eventually I just said to him, well, he asked me, he said, do you think we need to break up? Mm. And we were together for 24 years. Oh. And I said, yeah, I think so. Right. And he said, okay, well, you can leave, but you have to give me the house and the kids. Mm. Wow. And I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. Wow. I did. And I didn't want the house because I knew I couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. And the kids, well, of course, you know, I wanted the kids. But uh, what we did is we, um, he had to go to work at 5.30 every morning and he didn't get home till like 8 or 9 at night. So what we did is um, he would text me when he was on his way to work mm-hmm. and I would come to the house and I would be with the kids in the morning, get them off to school and I'd be there until he got home. And then every second night the kids would come home with me. So for two years I did that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the kids still saw me every day unless I was out of town speaking. So then what happened, my story gets even better. Oh my God, after about four months, my boss says to me, because remember, I had my, I had my business. Right. Oh, I stole my scrapbooking business, gave oh. him half yeah. of the money. That's when I left. And then my boss said to me, okay, you've got a decision to make. I had like the worst performance review in my life. Yeah. And she said, you know, you come to work and you're not, you're making mistakes. You're not doing a good job. And I don't even know where I can put you in the company. There's no other spot for you. 
and she says, I need you to ask one question. Are you going to be excited to come to work on Monday or relieved if you don't have to? Wow. And I was like, oh, oh, and I was like, I knew, right? Like that question hit me right here, right in my chest. It was just like, I know, I know I need to be a speaker full time. I was already onto my second book and I was like, I know that, but how am I going to support myself? I don't have a husband anymore. Just left my marriage four months earlier. Now you want to kick me out of my job. I don't have my other business anymore. And now what? I'm going to have to be a speaker full time. Mm -hmm. I said, I know that that's what I want to do. So, but I didn't know how to do it full time. And so I got home and that night I was reading this Christian businesswoman's magazine mm -hmm. and every second page said to me, follow your passion full time, follow your passion full time, follow your passion full time. I couldn't see any other words. All I could see was passion, passion, passion. Mm -hmm. And then I got to the middle and in big black letters, it said, why do you not trust that God will provide you everything you need? And I slammed it shut and I was so mad. I was like, I know, I get it. I get it. You want me to be a speaker, but give me three more months just so I can get all my bills paid and then I'll do it. Mm -hmm. And then I asked myself that question one more time. Right. Are you going to be excited to come to work on Monday mm -hmm. or relieved if you don't have to go to work on Monday? Mm. And I went into work that day and I sent my boss an email because she wasn't available to talk to. And I said, you're right. Today is my last day. Mm -hmm. And I packed up my office and away I went. Wow. And that was my turning point where I was like, okay, what if I could spend 40 hours a week marketing myself as a speaker versus 40 hours a week in an office where I'm crying right. all day? where like the, you know it, it reminded me of the whole baby bird thing you know like you have this I had, it reminded me of my, my boss being the mother bird and here I am the little baby bird in the nest and you know the mother's pushing the baby bird out and the baby bird's gonna of course she's gonna dip a little but she never hits the bottom mm. and she's gonna fly higher than ever before in her whole life mm -hmm. And that's how I, I, that's what I felt my boss did to me. She was that mother bird that pushed me out of the nest and said, go, you need to go and be who you need to be. And that was the day that I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Huge, huge <laughs> contemplation. I love the messages. It's, and we often get that, right? We get those messages that are so in our face and it's like, I'm resistant. I'm not going to, I, can't take this right now it's not what i'm looking often it's not what i'm looking for even though the message is so profound and powerful um and sometimes we stay we stay out of perceived security and really is it is it security at the end of the day not really absolutely that's the whole thing like uh you know in fact in, earlier today i was talking about fear yeah and the biggest reason like even me leaving my marriage it it was that Fear. And I remember reading the book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyways by Susan Jeffers. I'll never forget this book. And in the book, um, I read only the first 25 pages and I knew why I wouldn't leave. Mm -hmm. And the reason that most people won't take that step, they won't end their job or they won't end their marriage is because they're too scared they can't handle it on the other side. Yeah. And that was my thing. And when I read that, it was like, oh my gosh, I get it. 
my whole adult life was with my husband. Mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine living without him. Mm -hmm. And especially because earlier, um, before I had left, he made, um, well, he made a really nasty remark to me. And he said, he said, you know, I often think if you and I were separated, you would be like a single mom with three kids and, you know, with the scars on your body, who would want you? Um, and I was like, oh, so now you're my hero? That's the only reason you're with me is because no other man's going to want me? Uh, and so when I was making that decision to leave, I had that conversation with myself. You have to leave knowing that you may not ever find another man that's mm, going to love you. Right. So if you're leaving only to find another man, mm -hmm. then that's the wrong reason to leave. Mm -hmm. The reason to leave is because you are in a toxic, loveless marriage right. and you want out because you want, you know, to create the amazing life that you want. Mm -hmm. Not because you want to find another man, because you may not find another man that's going to love you. Mm -hmm. And so that was my big conversation that I had with myself. And I was like, okay, I'm okay with this. Mm -hmm. I'm okay knowing that I'm going to be single and there's a possibility I could be single for the rest of my life. Right. Huge. No. <clears throat> well, I'm curious, this question just popped into my head, going back to like, just even with your husband, when you guys first started dating, like what were some of the things, what attracted you to each other in the beginning? What did what what, what attracted, attracted you to each other in the beginning? Well, you know, it's interesting when I think about it now. I believe it was because I didn't think other, any other man was going to want me. Mm. And that's what I think it was. I really believe that I wasn't attracted to him. Mm -hmm. I thought he was cute, but mm. it was interesting because about. 15 years ago, I saw a picture of a guy that I had a crush on in high school. Yeah. And when I saw that picture, I was like, oh, and I got that little feeling, you know, like okay. that you attracted to him, mm -hmm. right? And it was like, oh my gosh, that's what I'm missing with my husband. Yeah. I was never attracted to him physically. Yeah. And I really believed that I didn't think any other man would want me. Right. Right. He was like my second boyfriend at the time. And he was the one that would hold my hand. And, mm -hmm. you know, we, we grew to love each other. Like, I do believe I loved him. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I was ever in love with him. Right. Such a yeah. difference, too. And to realize there the is. between that. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So tell yeah. me a little <laughs> bit more about when you got into speaking. So what was the beginning of your speaking career like? What kind of gigs were you doing? How were you getting speaking gigs? What was the beginning like? Oh my goodness. Well, the beginning was crazy. You know, I still remember when I met Charmaine Hammond and what she did is she was determined she was going to get me to be a speaker. Right. So what she did, and you know how it is, like some people will say, oh yeah, let's do this and this and this, and then nothing happens. Right. Well, I expected that to happen with Charmaine, mm -hmm. right? But it, it didn't happen that way at all. What happened was Tremaine says, you know what, you and I are going to do something and I'm going to get you on the stage. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> right? Not really believing her. Yeah. And then when she called me and she said, okay, I've got, you know, Joe Dibley that is putting on an event and I've talked to her. They're going to raise money for the firefighters. Yeah. And so, um, and I had just come back from burn camp. 
with my mm -hmm. kids. Mm -hmm. And so she said she would love to meet you and would love to give you some stage time. So what we're going to do is an Ellen show. So I'm going to be Ellen and I'll do the walk and the dance and I'll introduce you and then you'll come up and then I'll ask you the questions and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, perfect. Sounds great. She said, that way you don't need to try and figure out what to say. I'll lead you through. And I was perfect. That's awesome. So what happened was we do the Ellen show and she, um, she asked me some questions about my dad and my dad passed away 11 years ago. And so all of a sudden I see the audience members crying and I'm looking around on the stage and I'm like, what's going on? Why are people crying? Like I thought something was happening behind me or something, you know, I didn't know what was going on. And I thought, why are these people crying? Yeah. And then I heard this little voice in my head and it said, they're crying about your story. It's sad. And I was like, oh, okay. So she asked me another question and I'm telling them some more stories. And all of a sudden I hear these people laughing mm -hmm. and I'm thinking, what are they laughing about? And I'm looking again on stage, like literally, I was like looking around mm -hmm. and I'm like, what's going on? Like I thought something was happening behind me or something. Right. And I'm like, what are they laughing about? And again, I heard that little voice in my head say, they're laughing at your story. Right. Like it's funny. Hmm. And so when I got off the stage and people would come up to me and they would say, tell like you are so awesome. And I'm like, this is my first time speaking like professionally, right? Like I did it a little bit when I was in 4-H as a kid, hmm. but I never did it, you know, as a professional. And they're like, no, like you need to be a speaker. And I'm thinking, hmm. okay, how am I going to do that? Right? So then what happened is um, Cheryl Cran was one of the speakers. And all of a sudden, I'm mesmerized. And I'm like, oh my God, I cannot, like, I, I cannot take my eyes off this girl. Like, she's an incredible speaker. I want to be like her. And I went home and I said to my husband, um, I'm going to be a speaker. And he's like, I don't get it, right? And I said, I don't know, help me. Like, that's what I said to my higher power, my universe, right? So, so anyways, Cheryl was putting on this course. And it was going to be a couple thousand bucks or something like that. And she said, um, I said, well, Shell, I can't afford that, right? Like the twins were like, what, four years old? And mm. I couldn't afford it. And she's like, well, I'll take payments. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, right? Because I know that if the universe wants me to do something, it's going to put everything into place. Mm. So then she said, but if you get, you're going to have to come to Vancouver. And I was like, oh, I can't come to Vancouver right like i've got the twins i got my husband and that means i'm going to be away for the weekend i'm going to have to come up with more money and i have to stay hotel and, and i'm going on and on and on and coming up with all these reasons why i can't do it and she said well if you get 10 people that want to be speakers i'll do it here in edmonton mm -hmm. and i said well yeah but i don't know 10 people that want to be speakers and i didn't at that time i wasn't in the speaker world so i didn't i honestly didn't know 10 people that wanted to be a speaker so at the end of the day Someone gets up and says, okay, Cheryl said that if we can get 10 people that want to do the speaker course, she will do it here. We have nine people. Who wants to be the 10th? <laughs> right? Yeah. And I knew that the universe was doing everything it could to get me to be a speaker. Mm. And it was just like you said, it was like listening to those little signs. Mm -hmm. right and every obstacle I came up with 
something else, you know, would overcome it. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that I had to somehow find a way to come up with the money to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I did, I found a way to do it. I took the weekend course and then I hired her to, you know, be my coach and work further with me so that I could then go to the next level. Mm -hmm. And that's how it all started. Mm -hmm. And so I was so fortunate that Cheryl taught me what I needed to know. And, you know, Charmaine did what she did and Joe did what she did and mm -hmm. everybody did what they did to get me in that direction. Right. And then I still remember um, Jack Zufelt. So Jack Zufelt, he was on my Facebook. And so he connected with me and he said, Kel, I normally charge $20,000 to coach people, but I'm going to coach you for free. Wow. And I said, why? He said, because he says, I have to answer to the big man upstairs when I die. And he's going to say to me, you wouldn't help that girl because she didn't have any money to give you. Mm -hmm. And yet, if you would have helped her, she could have helped millions. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I will help you. He says, I will give you some of my time once in a while. And I will coach you. Right. And so again, it was all these angels being put in my place to help me get where I needed to go. And sure enough, my documentary and the Goalcast video that was launched has impacted almost 10 million people. Yeah. So it's just so powerful when you listen to those little whispers of your heart. Mm -hmm. And most people don't want to listen. They're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Mm -hmm. right? But I think it's because people think that when you get a message from God or your higher power, that it has to sound like it's coming in a different voice. Mm -hmm. And mine doesn't. It doesn't come in a different voice. So it's just, you know, you hear those little whispers and it's like, okay, it's up to me. Am I going to do something about it and listen? Yeah. Or am I just going to pass it on by? When did you start getting those little whispers? Do you recall a time? You know what? I think I've had them all my life. I think I just didn't recognize what they were. Right. And I think it's only been in these last 10 to 12 years where I've actually started to pay attention to them, right. like to really pay attention to them, yeah. right? I think I always got them. I think I just didn't know what it was. Right. Yeah. I love how all the synchronicities and the next teacher and the next person, like you're really following your calling. Even now, like I just want, I, it's like every time I'm like, what's Kelly doing? <laughs> She's doing <laughs> <laughs> well you're always an inspiration to me even just like yeah I'm dating and I'm doing this and I'm painting and I'm doing this book and I'm doing this talk and I'm traveling here and I got this documentary I'm just like oh my god woman how do you like I'm curious I want to hear more about your like how do you stay fulfilled and keep your energy topped up to keep moving forward Oh my gosh, you know, and that's funny because that is exactly what today's workshop was all about, the perseverance workshop that I did with the teenagers. And, you know, there, there's a lot of things I do. There's, there, there is. Um, one of the things I do is music. Mm -hmm. And it was fascinating because I actually played two songs for them. I played a really super slow song and I played a really fast song. And I said, okay, which song actually inspires you to move forward? Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating because I still remember about five, six years ago, I was dating this guy and I only knew him for about three months and he broke up with me and I was devastated for like a day and a half. I wouldn't stop crying. A day and a half. Yes. That's it. Yeah. A day and a half. Like, <laughs> like 
seriously like what is going on why am i crying i've only known this guy for three months he's a jerk he doesn't treat me well he never answers my text messages and if he does he's a jerk about it you know and i'm thinking why am i upset and i realized i was playing uh celine's song celine dion's song you're my angel mm. and i love this song it's a beautiful song but it would make me sad, it would make me depressed, it would make me cry, and I'm like, I'm your angel, buddy, why don't you want me in your life, you know, and it was just like, this is just so horrible, and I wouldn't stop crying, and so I actually had to shift my mindset, and I had to say, okay, that's it, that's done, no more playing that song, like, that song is not allowed on my playlist anymore, because I literally will just start crying, yeah. and so I have a song that's um, by J.D. Fortune, it's called Pretty Vegas. And I listen to that song, like even just before I get on stage, I'll play that song cool. or I'll play Thunderstruck by ACDC. You know, even right before um, the, the teenagers workshop that I was doing, I was listening to Thunderstruck. Right. And it never fails that like, even in the first five seconds of that song, you're like bopping your head or tapping your foot or whatever. And it was funny because I was watching the kids and sure enough, I could see them moving their head, you know, and it was just like, so when I'm feeling down, that's one of the strategies that I use is music. Even when we were doing the filming for my documentary, there was one moment where they were just about ready to film me. So they had me all set up exactly how they wanted me. And, um, we're just about to roll them and the, the director asked me the first question and I burst into tears, mm. just into tears. And he's like, okay, what's up? Right. I'm like, I don't know. He goes, yes, you do know. Mm -hmm. Why are you crying? Mm -hmm. And I was crying because I was so overwhelmed that this documentary that cost about half a million dollars to produce, mm -hmm. all these people were so involved on me. And they were like, everything was about me and doing everything for me and making sure like I couldn't even get my own bottle of water, right? Like everything was just like people were driving up from Calgary just to be a part of me and my documentary. People were like, it was just like incredible, fascinating. Like people were volunteering to be the nurses and the operating room scene that we did. And, you know, my, like it was just crazy. And he, and I'm telling him that this is like very overwhelming for me that everybody wants to do this for me. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to get me to do power moves. Okay. So power moves is when you get people to mm -hmm. stand with their hand on their hips and you, you, you know, you make certain faces and, and it makes you be really powerful, right? Mm -hmm. And it shifts your energy that way. And that wasn't working for me. Right. So anyways, we thought we had me shifted enough that I was able to do the interview. Right. So I'm ready, I think. And... <laughs> So the cameraman says, okay, we're going to roll them and start doing it. And the camera guy comes up to me and says, Cal, go. You're not ready. Right. Go. Go do what you got to go, what you got to do to get back, you know, where you were. And so I was like, okay, well, there's a song that I play. He goes, what is it? Pretty Vegas, In Excess. He's like, okay, get it. So I pulled it up on YouTube and put my headphones in and I had to go running up and down the stairs and playing this song. Mm -hmm. And I had to play this song five times mm -hmm. before I was settled enough that I wasn't crying. Right. And so that's another one of my strategies is, is all about music. Like music will, it's proven 
scientifically that music will shift your brain waves. Absolutely. Um, there's another trick that I do. <laughs> Everybody laughs when I tell them about this one. Um, whenever I would see my ex's name pop up on my phone, whether it be a text message, whether it be a phone call, mm -hmm. whether even if he was just being something nice, mm -hmm. I would instantly start growling at my phone mm -hmm. and I would be mad and it would instantly put me in a bad mood. Now, when you're an entrepreneur, you can't be in a bad mood. You need to be positive. You need to always be able to function and move forward. Mm -hmm. But he would, he would shift me so bad that for like four or five hours in a day, I'd be upset um, all night. I wouldn't be able to sleep because I'd be thinking about whatever it was that he annoyed me with or, you know, like it was just too much drama for me. And I thought, okay, what is this? What am I going to do? How am I going to shift this? Because I can't stay, I can't go to negative mode. I want to stay positive. So when I'm talking to clients or when I'm on stage, like it got to the point where I couldn't even look at my phone the morning of me speaking mm -hmm. because I knew if I got a text message from him it would put me in a bad mood and then I can't get on stage mm -hmm. so I changed his name and it's funny whenever I ask this you know the audience what do you think I changed his name to inevitably somebody will say asshole right. you know or shithead mm -hmm. or something like that and I'm like no because that still triggers anger Mm -hmm. I don't want to be triggered into going into anger mode. I need to be triggered to stay in positive mode or mm -hmm. compassionate mode. So I changed his name to poor soul. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget the moment that I saw him call me or text me and it said poor soul. And I was like, poor soul, who's poor soul? Mm -hmm. Oh, poor soul. Ah, what's up with poor soul? I wonder what he wants. Right? Yeah. <laughs> And so that is another strategy that I use. Like now, his name doesn't trigger me anymore. Mm -hmm. So now that I'm done my divorce and everything and we don't have any issues, I'm able to have his name, the right name. I can, I can see his name and it doesn't trigger me anymore. Mm -hmm. But I highly recommend that. If you've got somebody in your phone that mm -hmm. triggers you to anger, right. you physically have to be able to move forward. Right. And so that's what I had to do. Yeah, I love that. I know, it's, it, it sounds like it's so silly, but yeah. it works. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the sound, you know, the, the little sounds on the voice or on your phones, the little dings and the d different um, different techniques for, I love the money coin one where it's like, ching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What else? What are some other things that you do to keep your energy up? Okay, so another thing I do is um, I have what I call my happy land. Mm. So a lot of people spend a lot of time in drama land, mm -hmm. okay? And especially right now where we're going through the whole COVID thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we're seeing a lot of really negative stuff going on on Facebook and Instagram and mm -hmm. in the media. You know, it, it's really, really easy to, to be down. It's really easy to be knocked flat on your butt, not being able to get off the bed or off the couch. And so um, there's just so much drama going on right now. And it's very difficult for us to stay, you know, in a positive mindset. And even my very best friend, I've actually had to stop communicating with her because I can't handle the drama that she's putting out on Facebook. Right. And it drives me crazy. Mm 
-hmm. And so I even had to put a, a thing on Facebook where I just said, hey, you know, if you want more positivity in Facebook, scroll on by the drama. Like, mm -hmm. you don't need to stop out there. Like, get, you know, stop by the people who are, you know, positive in your life and like their stuff, comment on their stuff, share their stuff, and you're going to get more positivity into your life. Right? So, um, but what I have is what I call my happy lap. And how this came about is when my ex-husband and I were together, one time we were driving somewhere and I was really angry about something. I don't know what it was. I just remember that him and I had an argument. He knew I was mad. And all of a sudden, after a couple of minutes, I was smiling. Mm. And he said, why are you smiling? Because he knew I should be mad. Mm. And I just said to him, I'm in my happy land. Right. And, what, and I was, and what I did is I was playing in my head like a little movie, a visual of something that made me super happy. Mm -hmm. And it, it made me stop thinking about the drama that I had going on with him. Mm -hmm. And it made me think about that happy visual. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, everybody has all these you know, these little situations that make them super happy. Like when I help somebody become a best-selling author and I coach them and, and they make the bestseller list, like I'm like pumped. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. We did it. We succeeded. Like Yahoo, right? And I'll be doing my little happy dance and my kids, they can hear me and they're like, mom, what happened? Like obviously something good happened, right? And it's like, no, they've made it. They're a best-selling author now and I'm excited, right? So I keep track of all the little stories that make me super happy. Right. So what I do is, um, I'll never forget, this was about five or six years ago. And of course, I was depressed about something. I can't remember what it was. And so what I would do is visualize this date that I went on with this guy. He's super hot. He drives like a red convertible Porsche. And so he came and he picked me up. And it was a beautiful sunny day and we stopped at the store and we got some food so we could have a picnic and we got a bottle of wine mm -hmm. and we went to this picnic site and there was like nobody else there and you know we we had wine and we talked and we ate and we held hands and we kissed and then we got back in his car and we went for ice cream and i spilled the ice cream on him and you know and and i mean you can see that in my face that you know i'm all lit up right and i'm smiling and i'm excited and so it physically shifts me into feeling happy. And I can't even think about the Facebook drama anymore. Mm -mm. Okay? So whenever I see lots of drama on Facebook or I see something that's trying to get me down, I go to my little Rolodex file and I find those stories that will make me happy. And maybe that, hap that story won't work. Maybe it's another story of, you know, a different date that I went on, right? And finally got to reconnect with the man that I always believed I wanted to marry. And we finally got to see each other in 30 years. And I saw him in the airport and we had this beautiful date and held hands and kissed. And, <laughs> you know, it was just incredible, right? And so sometimes like in business, when we feel like we're not getting anywhere, we can't get off the couch, I'll visualize that date. Mm -hmm. And it's, like I said, it's just a 30 second visual that I'll think about. And maybe the first time I've done the work, so then I'll think about it again. And I'll think about it again and think about it again. And sometimes I'll think about it over and over and over for like half an hour. Mm -hmm. And by the end of it, I'm like off the couch and it's like, okay, what do I want to do? And make it happen. Mm -hmm. 
So again, like that whole happy land versus drama land, it's like, where do you want to be? Mm-hmm. Do you want to be in drama land on Facebook where, you know, there's tons of drama about COVID and it's not serving you, it's not getting you anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, believing in those conspiracy theories, we don't know what's right. Mm-hmm. So where do you want to be? Do you want to be there or do you want to be in, in happy land where you're productive and you're active and you're, you're coming up with ideas and you're being creative? And so to me, that's where I want to be. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Oh, I love that happy land. Well, and you're such a good storyteller. And obviously you're a deep romantic. I, I can tell by the colors of the flowers in the background and even just in the description that you have. Uh, you love all the details because I'm right with you in the story. I'm like, oh, the, all the love stories. So do you believe? I get that you really believe in love. Do you believe in love? Do I believe in love? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That's a tough question to ask me right now. Um, because I do, I do believe in love. Um, and it's interesting because it's probably the one thing I also struggle with. Mm. And I do believe we need to love ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that we need to show more love. And I believe that if you live in fear, it's going to harm you and it's going to hold you back. It's not going to move you forward. When you do things in love, it moves you forward. So a great example of that is Wayne Dyer. Mm-hmm. So I I got to meet Wayne Dyer what, yeah. three, four I months wish, before I you. always wish he was one man. Well, he's one person um, that I wish I, I always wish I could have had that human interaction with. I know, right? And yeah. and he's a fascinating man. Like I he I still remember I wanted to I said to myself, I want to meet my two favorite authors, Wayne Dyer and Dorian Virtue. And so sure enough, I popped up on Facebook, a conference that Hay House was putting on in Maui, Mm -hmm. Wayne Dyer, Doreen Virtues were the headline speakers. Mm -hmm. And I was like, (laughs) how did this happen, right? Like, how did the universe do this, right? And I was like, oh my God. And it was, it was only like $500 or something like that to attend it. And I thought, okay, that's reasonable. So I said to myself, okay, show me the money. Because at that time, I didn't have the money. Show me the money. If you want me to go, show me the money. So sure enough, within a week, I got paid for a speaking gig. And I thought I was only going to get 100 or $200 because it was an honorarium. So I thought, oh, that's probably all they're going to pay me. No, they paid me $1,500. And then my credit card, they upped my limit another 1000 bucks, And it was like, oh, you really want me to go. <laughs> <laughs> so I go. And the, the fascinating part about it is that at, the, at that time, the weekend I went, my grandma was passing away. We had already got the notice that she wasn't going to make it. And when I was flying back, I, I was supposed to land at 2 o'clock and then speak in Edmonton at a woman's event at 7 o'clock. So I said to my sister, don't tell me if Nana passed away because mm-hmm. I don't want to know because I don't know how if I'll be able to speak. So don't tell me. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I go to the conference and, you know, I, I meet Wayne Dyer and I actually gave him one of my blankets, mm-hmm. you know, my blankets that say you are loved, you are needed, you are wanted. Mm-hmm. So he got one of the first five prototypes. Doreen Virtue got one. I got to have a conversation with him and everything. And he's amazing, amazing man. So anyways, I come home and um, fortunately my grandma didn't pass away. She passed away at midnight 
like six hours after I arrived home. But going back to Wayne Dyer. Mm -hmm. So Wayne Dyer says, if you do things out of fear, it's never going to work. If you do it out of love, it will absolutely work. Mm -hmm. So, and how that became important to me was that when I was going to get those blankets made, I needed about $10,000. Because mm-hmm. I needed to bring 1,500 blankets over because that was the minimum order. And I was getting them from China and then I would get an awesome deal on them, right? Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, oh my God, like, how am I going to come up with $10,000? Like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I watched Wayne Dyer's movie, The Shift. Mm-hmm. And that's where he says, if you do it out of fear, it's not going to work. But you do it out of love, it'll work. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my God, the blankets. Well, the blanket said you were loved, you were needed, you were wanted. What if somebody calls me and says, Kel, I need one of your blankets because my son is, you know, might commit suicide and I, I, I want one of your blankets so they know that I love them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what about the, you know, the, the, the burn kids, right? This little burn girl that got burnt as a two-year-old like I did. And, you know, her mom wants a blanket so that she can wrap it around her two-year-old and she will know that she's loved. Mm-hmm. right and this came from another burn survivor and then you know what about my friend you know we all know diana bose and i got an email from um her husband saying that when she passed away they actually had my blanket on her that says you are loved you needed you wanted and they sent me a picture i know isn't it an incredible story when i hear the story I just yeah. i just want to cry right mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it was like oh my god i have to find the money for this these blankets that's what these blankets are for this is not about my artwork this is about helping people that feel more love mm-hmm. and so what happens is there's two kinds of stress there's the stress that harms you and holds you back in life and then there's the the good stress that propels you forward and makes you do things you would never normally do mm-hmm. so what i did is i made a list of all the, the wealthy people i knew mm-hmm. that i knew would want to make an impact and I made a list of like 10 or 15 wealthy people that I knew mm-hmm. and I phoned them. And I ended up phoning the second person on my list was a guy that I went to high school with. And I said, Ron, this is what I'm doing. I'm getting these blankets made. I'm short some money. I need 10 grand. And this is what I want to do. And then I'm going to give these kids the blanket to the kids at burn camp and blah, 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 blah. And he goes, pick up the truck tomorrow. Wow. Right? Because I did it out of love, mm-hmm. not fear. Yeah. Right? And so when we do the things we love out of love, mm-hmm. magical things happen. Yes, I, I couldn't agree more. Right? You know, even my marriage. I mean, when I decided that I wanted to love me mm-hmm. and put me first, that is when everything lined up. Mm-hmm. And I found, you know, a place to live. I lived with my aunt and uncle. They, they offered it to me without even knowing what I was going through. I didn't even have to ask, mm-hmm. you know. And then the speaking gigs came. And, you know, people were asking me to speak. And, like, even like you, like, you're asking me to be a part of your thing. And, like, everybody wants to be a part of stuff that is done in love. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Love is the only way. It is. It is the only way. So, um relationship wise like with a man yeah that that part is 
the part that I'm still kind of struggling with, you know, and yeah. the man I was telling you about for about a year and a half, it's been a whole roller coaster ride with him. Mm -hmm. um, but we've ended things. Um, we actually believe we know each other in our past life. Mm -hmm. Even our last names are only like two letters off. Wow. Uh, but he's dating another woman and I'm out there dating other people and kind of keeping my options open. And that story is a little bit, it is painful for me because I still believe that we are destined to be together, mm -hmm. but um, it's just not right now. Mm. So, yeah. Powerful. <laughs> sharing that. Oh, I feel that. Well, and, you know, thank you for sharing, talking about love and what love, because to me, that's what love is. Love is when we're in alignment to be of service from, you know, I keep coming back to the term and I've been hearing it and seeing it in print lately all over the place. And one of my mentors first said it to me, um, I first heard it through him, Kyle Gray. And he says, you know, it's God's money and it's God's work. So I just put it up to, I'm just here to be of the service and I'm here for the greater impact. Like I'm just here to make a difference in people's lives. And, yeah. you know, and I think that, and I always come back to that. Like I just, my gift has always been to see the highest, I see the highest expression and the highest potential of people. It's just helping them get to see that, right? And I think when we always go back to our bigger why, like what is the why that you are here to do? Like why, what is the what is the service that you're here to provide to make a bigger impact? And so seeing the bigger vision of the blanket, it's not just the blanket and getting it into Wayne Dyer's hands, you know, or into a celebrity hand. It's just that the blankets represent the love because they were designed and created out of your image of love. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And especially when I share, like, like it was like actually three people that told me that, you know, when Diana passed away, that her blanket was there. And for me, the reason it's so impactful for me, like I'm getting choked up already, mm -hmm. is that um, I knew she had the blanket out at the lake because she told me, she showed me a picture of it at the cabin, says, Kel, I had to have your blanket at the, at right. the cabin. So for someone to think we need Diane, you know, Kelly's blanket mm -hmm. to be with her in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh my gosh, right? Like that is so incredible because it impacted not just me, it impacted her and her family. Yeah. They all wanted that blanket with her. Mm -hmm. so that she knows that we all love her mm -hmm. and so that is what makes it so beautiful for me was that it was just not it's not my blanket this isn't about me yeah. this is about, about love love yeah it's about sharing the love and embracing the love and and expanding the love wrapping in love there's so many different pieces oh i love that yeah i know and, and even like people would phone me up and just say kel like you know my my nephew needs an intervention and can you please, you know, go deliver a blanket to him, mm -hmm. right? And, and I would. Um, and then other people would call me and say, look, you know, my friend's little girl just got burnt in the hospital. Can you go take a blanket to her? Mm -hmm. And yeah, absolutely, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just been so beautiful knowing that the blankets are having such an impact on people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, and so, it's not just the blankets, it's your impact because it's your creation. You you are, you're channeling the energy of love. Well, thank you. It's, uh, the last 10 years have been such an incredible journey. 
you know, people say to me, like, where do you want to be in five years? Mm -hmm. And most times I don't know the answer. Mm -hmm. I really don't. And I, I prove it by saying, well, 10 years ago when I left my husband, I never thought I'd have a documentary about my life story. Yeah. That was not in the 10 year goal, mm -hmm. right? I did not know that, you know, Gorkhouse was going to launch a video about my story and it was going to get almost 10 million views. Mm -hmm. I never thought that I'd end up being a, you know, a six time bestselling author and that I'd be coaching people to be authors. Like mm -hmm. I never thought any of that was in my picture. Mm -hmm. And even now, I still don't know what, what's in my next five years. Mm -hmm. Right? I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm open to the universe directing me yes. in the direction I need to go in. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what that's I believe. a beautiful answer because I'm a person too, like very much like what you described in the beginning. I never, I never saw myself married with two kids, two girls. You know, I just never... I didn't visualize my wedding. I didn't, you know, I, even from a young age, I just always kind of, I've let life guide me, if that makes sense. And I've looked, yeah, totally. And I've always been able to see, well, you know, what, what is presenting itself and where could I maybe see myself going next? Like, I just always took the present and I'm like, is that my future? Like, do I really want this experience, you know, or, or is there something else possible? And there would always be an opportunity yeah. for, well, Dixie, there's always something else more possible. And it just hasn't been thought of yet, right? Because what we're, 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 where we grow up, we're, we grow up in a bubble and we only really know what, what we see, what we feel, what we hear. Um, and then there's the dreamland. You know, some people have really amazing opportunities to be a dreamer, to dream up and visualize all these possibilities and opportunities. Um, I wasn't really that person, but I can now see, like I can, I'm a great visionary and st st uh, strategist in helping to see different possibilities and other options and opportunities. Um, but I definitely don't see my, I don't know what my five-year plan is either. And I even, um, goals, like I was talking with a colleague of mine the other day and I'm like, what do you do for goal planning? Like, what do you, like, do you make lists? What do you do? She's like, I don't write anything down. I just let it all unfold and I'm like I kind of feel the same way like I have I have general lists and things that I need to take yeah. care of and what I need to do um but I'm not I, I I do not have every single step planned out on the way and that's just not yeah. in alignment with my personality right so I think it's just there is there's an idea and then it germinates and it drops in and then it comes to fruition when it's ready that's kind of that's kind of how I live my life in, in a way. Um, yeah. But there's there's still the systems. We still need the systems behind it. And then there's also the the allowance for spirit to guide us. I totally agree with you because that's exactly where I am too. Mm -hmm. right? Like 10 years ago, I did not think this is where I was going to be. I never thought I'd get the YWCA woman of distinction. Like, why me? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, you know, like I, I never saw that. I never saw you know, having a documentary. I, I didn't see any of that. And so I'm like you, like I have things I'd love to accomplish. I think I call it more my intention list. Right. But I don't, yeah. But I don't see it as, okay, in five years, I must be here or mm -hmm. I failed. Mm -hmm. And in 10 years, I must be here or I failed. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I think that's the biggest problem with people studying goals like that is they think that if they haven't succeeded at it, 
they haven't accomplished it. Right. And that means they, they're a failure. And I, so I think that's why I really struggle with the whole that you must have goals, mm -hmm. right? Because I think at point, a certain point, you're almost setting yourself up for failure, mm. right? Because then if you don't accomplish it, your brain says, see, I told you, it wasn't going to work anyway. So what's mm -hmm. the point? I like playing in more short term, like I play in short term goals. Um, and, and, and I play, you know, it's just kind of like, well, what do I know is true? What is fact, you know, based on what's happened so far? And then I just kind of drop that in and then just allow the, the possible, like, what is the potential and the possibility, you know, for exactly. expansion around that and then just kind of measure it and just kind of measure it that way. Like I loosely measure things. Um, I still yeah. am a spreadsheet queen. I love to, you know, I use spreadsheets and all of those measurability tools as well. Um, yeah. But I, I love playing in the energy of what ifs and possibilities and, and potentials and ideas I hadn't yet thought of, you know, that. Yeah and create the space for them to drop in, to take, to start to germinate and, and create. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. And I'll never forget, um, like when I had my scrapbooking business, it was a mobile store. So it was a, it was a 14 foot cube van mm -hmm. that my former husband had converted into so a cool. store. Yeah. yeah, so people could actually go in it yes. and there'd be scrapbooking supplies all around it and then they could buy it. And, and you know, I even had like the pizza, like or the mobile thing so that, you know, people could pay um, online, yeah. right? Just like the pizza thing, right? Like, it was, right. I'm such a visionary and such a creative person. Like, and this was about 12 years ago. So nobody had these little, you know, stores, right? Like now you can see them popping up every once yeah. in a while and they're beautiful, right? So I was ahead of my time. Yeah. And I still remember my husband saying to me, well, how are you going to take payment and stuff? And right. I said, well, the pizza guys have those, you know, the payment machine. So why can't I have, one of, I have one of those? Yeah. Right? You know, and it's like, oh yeah, that makes mm -hmm. sense. Um, but it was so, um, oh shoot, I kind of lost my train of thought about where I was going with this. Oh, okay, goals. And so I actually got to pitch to the dragons for the yeah. dragon's den. I didn't know that. That's so cool. I know, right? It was season three. And so I didn't make it. Like I didn't get on TV, but we did get to pitch to the dragons and everything. Yeah. And I'll never forget how much of a failure I felt when I didn't get the money. I was like devastated. I was like completely devastated. And my dream was to get an investor involved so that we could then go and, you know, have a hundred trucks. That was my thing. I wanted a hundred trucks around Canada and the U.S., of people selling scrapbooking supplies. And Arlene Dickinson was gonna do the deal, but she, she turned it down because right. she thought I was gonna need more time than she was willing to give. So she said, no. And I was just, just say yes. I just want it because the yes means I get on TV. And even if you back out later, I don't care. I just want the yes. But anyways, so here's the funny thing. Her and I were actually speaking at the same event a few years later. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I said to her, I said, so, you know, do you remember I pitched on the Dragon's Den that time? I had the big lime green scrapbooking truck. And she goes, oh, my God, yeah, that's right. You did. And I said, yeah. I said, you said no. And she goes, yeah. I said, yeah, but you were going to do the deal, but you, you, you changed your mind at the very last minute. And she goes, yeah. And I said, well, here's what happened. I said, when you, you said no, I um, actually sold the business, left my husband, and I became a speaker. 
Yeah. And she said to me, aren't you glad I said no? Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, right? And it was like, yeah, because her saying no made me end that dream so that I could go and do what the universe really wanted me to do, which was to be a speaker and author and coach people. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, a lot of times we don't know what our path is going to be. And I think, you know, going back even to like the romance part of the guy I was telling you about, there's that part of me that's wondering, okay, is the universe taking him out of my life so that I can go find a different man that is going to be more suited for me? Mm-hmm. Or is it just that we're not supposed to be together right now? Mm-hmm. Right? So um, those are the, the deep questions that I'm asking myself. But a lot of times what we think is a tragedy is not a tragedy at all. And even me getting burnt as a two-year-old, when you hear that, that the two-year-old is an international speaker with a life, you know, or the broadcast video that's helped 10 million people, best-selling author, sharing a story and teaching people how to love who they are. Is it really a tragedy that that two-year-old got burnt? Mm-hmm. Well, and you know? but we still have to allow for the cycles of grief to happen, you know, in taking that time to unwind and, and heal, but also when we can get through the story and then look back and start looking at those turning points, that. Yeah, I know. I love that too. That whole domino effect where it's like, okay, because I did this, this happened yeah. because this, this yeah. happened because of this, this happened. I don't know. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I love that story too about Arlene Dickinson. It's just like, well, aren't you glad I said no? Because if she said yes, you probably would still be married or, you know, who knows what that timeline or that experience would look like. So the universe has definitely been guiding you to get on stage and to share your message. And yeah. Exactly. I'm so grateful because I know you have such a big heart. You're always giving. Everywhere I see you, you're giving. Every time she goes <laughs> to an event, I've had her come and speak at other events and that I've done. And, you know, it's just like in comes Kelly with her entourage of blankets <laughs> and all this. <laughs> it's been a fascinating journey. It really has been. And, and I'm really happy that I'm, you know, listening to that little whisper of my heart a lot more mm-hmm. than I used to. Yeah. Well, and, and I appreciate your drive, right? And, and I think that's that's also something because it's not, it's one thing to listen to the whisper, but it's also about taking inspired action and making it happen and moving forward in that, right? And that's where I admire, you've always had, I mean, I've I've tried to think of when we first, I know it was a Joe Dibley event um, when we first met. Um, yeah, a long time ago, but you know, ever since I was just like, wow, like this woman, she has so much drive. And that's a big part of your mission is to just keep going out, sharing, sharing your voice, sharing your passion and helping other people. I think helping others to live up to their potential and find their, their, their spark. Oh, thank you. You You know, one of the things I love that I used to hate about me Mm -hmm. was I used to hate that I would always just jump around from one thing to the next. Mm -hmm. I could never stay at a job more than two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And I always admired that my grandma stayed in one job her whole life. Mm -hmm. She retired at Eaton. She started and retired at Eaton. And I just thought, that is so incredible. How was she able to do that? And I felt so bad that I always had to do something new. Mm -hmm. But it's now the the one thing I love about me Mm -hmm. is that... You know, five years ago when uh, 
my speaking business wasn't doing very well. I wasn't getting a lot of speaking gigs. And I, I still remember, you know, going to see my best friend and I said, you know, I said, um, I don't know, I'm bored. Life is, I'm bored. I don't know. I'm missing something. I don't know what it is. And she goes, Cal, I see you painting. Mm. And I said, you're full of shit. I've never painted in my life. I'm not going to paint. She goes, no, seriously, if you're painting, making thousands of dollars as a painter, let's go to paint night. And I said, no, I'm not going to paint night. I'm drinking wine in your hot tub. That's it. And, <laughs> and she's like, come on. And I'm like, no, we're drinking wine in your hot tub. Like, I'm going to win this time, right? Like she usually wins everything. I'm winning this time. I'm drinking wine in your hot tub. You go paint. And <laughs> so anyways, the next day, I saw this painting on Facebook. And... I was like, oh my gosh, I got to learn how to do that, right? And um, so then I, I asked my friend, how did you learn to paint that? And she told me, and I went on YouTube and I see that she had some tutorials. So of course I'm learning how to do it. Mm -hmm. And I was still bored. It was three o'clock in the afternoon. And at that time in my life, that was nap time for me. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go have a nap. But I, I said to myself, what does my heart say? Mm-hmm. And I heard that little whisper and I said, go paint. And I was like, nah, what does my heart say? I said, get up and go paint. Like you're literally, I heard the yelling this time. Mm-hmm. So I had won a paint kit like the year before that and I couldn't sell it. I couldn't give it away. My kid didn't want it. <laughs> Nobody bought it at the, at the, at the, what, the garage sale. I was like, okay, I guess I'm keeping this thing. And it was huge. It was massive. There was like, four canvases, there was all the paints, the brushes, everything. And so I start painting. And um, all of a sudden, I put all the canvases up on Facebook. And I said, Oh, my God, I just started painting Here's my painting. Mm-hmm. And all these people were liking and commenting on them. And all of a sudden, I was like, Oh, this is crazy. Whatever. I didn't think I was good. And so this lady Facebooks me privately. And she says, I want to buy that painting. How much? And I said, <laughs> I don't know. I've only been painting one day. <laughs> Most painters don't make any money till they die. And I'm like, I've only been painting one day. And she's like, well, I, I, but I am smart. So I did say to her, well, how much do you offer? And she says, I'll pay you 150 bucks. And I said, sold. Well, that week I made like a thousand bucks off all my paintings. And it was crazy. Like I didn't make any money in my speaking gig. I had none that month. And I made like a thousand bucks just on paintings in one week. And my kids would come home and they're like, mom, what are you painting? Like, you're awesome. Keep at it. Like I came home from school just so I could see what you're painting. And I'm like, oh my God, there's something going on here. Right. Um, And I mean, this is even one of my paintings behind me. This is the the fairy that I did. Mm -hmm. And so anyways, I share this story with you because so many times we don't listen to that little whisper of our heart, but that painting led me to doing the blankets, mm-hmm. which led me to speaking all over the world. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it led me to so much stuff. And, you know, even the documentary, they, they featured the blankets in the documentary and we gave away, you know, 150 blankets to the kids in Bright Creek. You know, the unfortunate, or just, yeah, unfortunate kids there. Well, not unfortunate. What do they call it? The disadvantaged children there that that go there for their summer camp we gave them blankets and like it was just so beautiful to be able to um to do that sort of thing so while i say i hated how i always had to change things what i love is that i'm able to be creative not just in artwork 
but in business, if there's something I want to do, I just say, how do I want to do this? Yes or no. And mm -hmm. if it keeps me up all night, then I know it's something I want to do. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't keep me up all night, I'll know that it's just a passing thought. Yeah. But if it keeps me up all night and I can't stop thinking about it, then I know I've got to put the action, yeah. like the plan into action and like mm -hmm. you say, take inspired action. Yeah. And so I think that's what people have to do is really pay attention to that whisper of the heart. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think we have to remember too, like I, I, I've never been that person who held a job down. I mean, I've had my business for 10 years. Like that's a record. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, I'm like you, like I, I mean, I was always moving into the next thing. Like I was always, I was in constant movement, even in my corporate career where I would be at a company for two and a half, three years, but they were very life transforming, pivotal experiences that I would take for the next, the next level. And so it was, I just, I've, I've never been destined to be that lifelong you know yeah in that job i know i totally get it maybe that's why you and i relate so much because we have so much well, I'm in always creating. well very much like you know i've got music i've my creativity has been dream you know i do dream catchers i i love to do dabble in art of different ways i you know i'm very much in my creative brain i'm up till two o'clock in the morning creating stuff or you know <laughs> You know, I really have no time. I, I just kind of operate in my own time. And then when I get that inspiration of creativity, I go gangbusters with it. And then all of a sudden yeah. it's two, three, four o'clock in the morning. Um, so I always yeah. know when it's spirit driven for me, I, I know I'm in alignment because I'm spending a lot of time on it. Um, but as soon as I'm forcing it or pushing it uphill to make it happen, I really, I have to let go of the reins. Yeah, I totally get it. Really I'm the same way. Yeah. But those are, yeah. that's the visionary, right? It's just like, oh, what's new? Let's go try this on. Let's see what the experience and the expression looks like. And yeah. you know, I'm bringing the action into, well, aligned action into reality, Exactly. Right? So keep yeah. dreaming and keep listening to those divine whispers because, yeah, I remember when you started painting and I was just like, whoa, where did those come from? Like, I <laughs> loved, I loved the color. Like, it's so rich, and I think that's a big part of your, who you are. Like, everything that you do and every everything that you do has color in it, you know? It and that's a big part of your mission is to bring color and love together. Absolutely, because I feel without color, like, color to me keeps us down. It keeps us depressed. It keeps us um, uninspired, and I believe that color is another one of those tools that we can use to empower ourselves absolutely it's vibrational color is vibration music is vibration our voice and speaking is vibration all of those things play huge into it what, into creating momentum and movement forward so yes activation i love it yeah awesome it well thank you so much for your time and our conversation today it's just been delightful you are very welcome and thank you i i love being on your show and it's so awesome because you didn't ask a single question that um somebody else has asked me so that's awesome really? i love it oh my gosh because other than my story you told me to tell yeah. my story which everybody asked but yeah. um it's so cool because all the other questions nobody's ever asked me before I so love it's it. so cool yeah Can win for dixie thank you <laughs> <laughs> confirmation too because and that's that to me is divine alignment for 
the purpose of, of this gathering and connection and, and bringing out a different level of conversation as well. So That's thank right. you for participating. I appreciate that. You are very welcome. I'm happy to be involved. Thank you. So um, just to wrap up, Kelly, I think you can um, you can reach Kelly. You can connect with her at kellyfilato.com. Um, I'll be sharing her information out in the show notes as well. You can connect with her there. Thank you so much to our viewers for watching. If you took any value or took any tidbits from this or have any comments that you'd love to share, of course, please share it out. Like, comment, um, you know, thank you thank you thank you because without you guys we're not we wouldn't be here doing our job right so um stay connected with us and you know just a reminder that in everything that we do if we can bring more light love and hope to the world it will make a world of difference so until next time abundant love thank you so much bye for now